the FT. Welcome to World Weekly with me, Gideon Rachman. This week we return to the American presidential election. A week after the Republicans, it was the turn of the Democratic Party to hold its convention, culminating in a speech by President Barack Obama, in which he tried to persuade the American electorate that he's worth another four years in the White House. So, how did it go? On the line from Charlotte, North Carolina, where the Democrats held their convention, is Richard McGregor, our White House correspondent, and joining me here in the studio is John McDermott, our comment editor and a specialist on American affairs. Richard, you've seen both conventions now back to back. How do they compare? And do you get any sense that one or other party comes out of the convention season with more energy behind it? Well, I think that they felt very different. The conventions. I mean, the Democratic convention was younger, edgier, if you like, much more diverse. Fifty percent of the delegates were women. A quarter were African American. It was edgier, if that's the right word. And I think there was much more enthusiasm on the floor at the Democratic convention as well. But equally, I think the Republican convention was handled professionally, and they did what they had to do, which was to present Mr. Romney in a capable and relatively moderate light. But I think that the Democrats would be pretty pleased, and if anyone came out of the edge,、uh, it would be them. Now, of course, that can be swept away in an instant by a piece of bad news like this morning's jobs report. But、um, I think we came out as we came in, with perhaps Mr. Obama having a slight edge. I was at the Republican convention, and I got the sense that there they were very deliberately speaking or trying to hone a message to the people outside the convention hall, not really just hammering away at their base, but concentrating on the economy and and so on, rather than the kind of touchstone issues for Republican activists. It sounds to me, though, that Democrats were doing more of、uh, appealing to to their Activists by talking about social issues and so on. Is that your impression? And, and do you think that might mean that the conventions play slightly differently on television than they do、uh, in the hall? It could mean that. I mean, of course, we all say what we think the conventions were, and then then huddle around the opinion polls when they come out to tell us what really happened. But I think you know the, the Republicans wanted to make sure that people understood that Mitt Romney was not some sort of spooky far right wing extreme candidate. And to that extent, I think they did extend their message more outside the halls than the Democrats, which I think was inwardly focused and designed to enthuse the base and send them back out into the country to enthuse other people and get them all out to vote on November six. So I think that's true to an extent. The Democratic one was a little bit more insular, if you like, than the Republican. Okay, John、uh, McDermott, sitting here in London. Obviously, the task for for President Obama is to persuade Americans that even though the last four years have been tough economically, they should vote for him again. How do you see Obama shaping his appeal for four more years? I think he did a very good job of framing the choice for Americans. I think he did a slightly less good job at persuading Americans to make the choice for him. He put a stronger narrative and some personal touch around the budget plans that he's been using for. The last two three years, taking some defence spending and shift it into investments in infrastructure, manufacturing, education, and I think he made part of the case that government needs to play a strong role if America is going to recover from the embers of the recession. But what I think he didn't do, and what Clinton did previously, was explain just how much he's done so far and just why. He has been the right guy, not for the next four years, but for the last four years. The slogan of the campaign is forward. So, what forward-looking elements were there in the speech? He did a decent job of picking up on improving private sector job figures. 
He did a good job of explaining how America's become a lot more energy independent under him. But I'm not quite sure if, if that really stuck in the same way that Clinton's job card. Obama's created X, Romney's created Y. I think Obama still kind of didn't, didn't push home that message enough. He, he did talk about wanting to create a, a perhaps 100,000 more jobs for teachers mm-hmm. and I think a million more manufacturing jobs. Mm-hmm. But certainly it was my impression that all the, the forward-looking stuff was, was a bit vague and that he was perhaps attempting more to win the election by defining it as a choice between two different sets of cultural values. Richard, is that how it felt to you? You know, I feel that Mr. Obama's you know, quite defensive. He's literally sandbagging his administration on uh, and various issues in various key swing states. And I think that's one reason why the speech was not a great success. Mr. Clinton, for example, is masterful. You know, he takes his audience seriously and is very good at explaining and persuading, whereas I think Mr. Obama, you know, sort of inspires and lifts by contrast. And the need to explain and persuade, I think, is, is much more important than the kind of inspiration that Mr. Obama brought four years ago. So in that respect, I think the president struggled. So you're saying that his speech was, in a sense, slightly content-free compared to Bill Clinton, who is famously quite nerdy, but also able to somehow combine facts and figures with a emotional range. Yeah, I, I think it, it, you know, there's, there's very little there about what the next four years will mean. The deficit target is not new, that's recycled. Very little detail about how it reaches. I mean, he has had budgets out before and there's been lots of discussions, so the detail is out there, but he didn't throw it out there last night. The idea of one million manufacturing jobs and the teaching jobs and the like, I think these are vague, aspirational goals which would be easily met if the economy grew at one and a half, two percent even, and there was no big animating idea. I mean, maybe it's too late to throw that, that out there, but I think Mr. Obama and his team want to focus on Mr. Romney and their plans, and it's kind of too late for them to get similar skin in the game, and, but they don't want to anyway. John, one phrase that Obama did use was that this is the clearest choice in a generation. Did he make the choice clear, do you think? And do you think that's election hyperbole, or is there a very distinct choice on offer? I think there is a distinct choice on offer. I'm not sure whether Obama convinced Americans that he was the one to pick. I mean, just think back to the 2000 race with McCain in the primaries, but then kind of Bush versus Gore, or even Bush versus Kerry. The gap now on at least the conception of economic issues, if not the numerical detail of how they would spend their budgets, is, I think, far greater than, I think, any time since 68, really. And that gap, uh, the conception is what the, the Republicans being small governments, small state government get out of the way, the Democrats being actually government as crucial enabler. Is that how you'd, you'd see it? Yes. I think even though in the past Republican policy has been supply side tax cuts, the willingness to articulate it as the only game in town has never been greater. And what I actually enjoyed about the two conventions and what I actually look forward to over the next few weeks is that with Obama's speech and with the selection of Ryan by Romney, we should actually get a pretty honest battle about the role of government in American life. Richard, I mean, one thing that struck me, certainly at the Republicans, in a contrast with the Democrats, is the Republicans, although they were prepared to hammer Obama on the economy, and that was really what they wanted to do, I don't think I heard the words Wall Street once. There was very little mention of the financial crisis as the background. Whereas if you look at some of the speeches coming out of the Democrats, Elizabeth Warren, for example, the Senate candidate in Massachusetts, really attacked high finance and Wall Street. Is that 
a big dividing line between the parties? I think it is, but it's not a clear one because I think the Democrats like to have it both ways. You know, certainly Elizabeth Warren's speech, I think, was the height of the general populist fervour amongst just about all the Democratic speakers. But then you had Mr Clinton, who in some ways, apart from Mr Obama, gave the keynote economic address, and he was the centrist self, you know, he didn't go trolling for enemies on Wall Street. And I think in some respects it represents, if not a split in the current day of the Democratic Party, at least the dividing line, or an indication how the party has uh, tilted leftwards because it was, as you mentioned before, strikingly a socially liberal convention. Barely a speaker didn't mention their support of abortion and same-sex marriage. And on the economy, it was also a a trenchant defense of a a laundry list of government programs under attack from the Republicans. But if you had Mr. Clinton, whose record in government is really underpinned by the economy and him tacking to the center... He was very, he struck a very, very different tone from uh, the rest of the speakers. As you say, we're all waiting for the opinion polls now, Richard, but one sense is that the two parties come out of the conventions more or less where they went in, pretty, pretty level pegging with a very close election in prospect. So what, if anything, is going to tip the balance? Is, is now the only other potential game-changer the debates? Yeah, I think we're going to have a, a month of sort of high-minded rhetoric and low-level mudslinging on the campaign trail, and then we'll get to the three debates on October 2, 16, and 22nd. And I think they're the forums in which Mr Romney can swing the race uh, decisively his way. He's a very capable debater, but he's up against somebody who's very capable as well. I think we're sort of all bunkered down until the October debates now. Okay, and and John, in in other terms, in, in geographical as opposed to policy terms... Of course, one of the things that makes American elections peculiarly interesting is the way you have to assemble a regional coalition, you win in electoral college terms. And does that mean that essentially this election is not going to turn on the whole country, it's going to turn on a few states, and which will those be? It's always fascinating to listen to Obama's speeches and note where the people in his pen portraits come from. So if you listen to last night or you read last night, you'll see workers in Detroit workers in Toledo, Ohio, a little girl in Phoenix, a family business in some place called Warroad, Minnesota. So they give you some sense that this is being seen by the Democrats as blue-collar, probably white, maybe with the exception of Phoenix. That's the core vote. And if you look at Romney and his ads on welfare reform, it suggests that he thinks the same too. So in Ohio, Pennsylvania, Colorado those types of places. Okay, and finally, Richard, I mean, I I get the sense amongst pundits, maybe it's a a difficulty imagining Obama losing, but there's still a vague sense that even though he faces a very difficult election economically, a pretty strong candidate in in Mitt Romney, that he's going to squeak it. And one of the reasons people seem to think is that even though the polls are about, what is it now, 46-46, that if you go through it state by state, He's ahead in the key swing states in the Ohio's and the Florida's and so on. Is that how you see it? Or, or, or do you think that that's the wrong way of looking at it or, or perhaps just a very fragile lead which could easily evaporate in the next uh, few weeks? I think that's the best way to look at it. I mean, the polls are 46.4, 46.4, <laughs> the national polls. But in the states that matter, once you look at the states, when you go through them, you realize how hard it is for Mr. Romney and the Electoral College. Everything has to go his way. Now, 
I think Mr. Obama's lead is fragile up to a point, and you'll either have Obama squeaking a victory and possibly things tilting more substantially than Mr. Romney's way. But you know, I think already Mr. Romney is conceding Michigan. I think he's conceding Pennsylvania. And when you add them all up, it's very hard. But just to give you an illustration, today, Friday, the, the day after the convention, both Mr. Romney and Mr. Obama will be in Iowa and New Hampshire. Together they collectively have 10 electoral college votes out of the 270 needed to win. In other words, they're tiny. But here they are fighting a pitch battle in those two small states. So that tells you both teams think it's going to be very, very close. Richard, thank you very much for that intriguing summary. And thanks also to John McDermott here in the studio. That's it for this week. Until next week, goodbye. For more downloads, go to ft.com forward slash podcasts.